to hashtag May I Hire You podcast, where your career angel is with you every step of the way. Today, we have a very special guest. She has over 10 years in staffing, over 10 years in corporate recruiting, and she's done career development and facilitation. She has her ICF certification from International Coach Federation in executive coaching. She's recruited for all functions, including technology, HR, accounting and finance, engineers, sales, you name it. And she's currently in the healthcare corporate recruiting right now. She has recruited all levels, all the way up to executive levels. And she's been a hunter her whole life. She understands relationship building and knows how to heighten the candidate and client experience. And she has a passion for recruiting operations and strategically manage the recruiting process to develop recruiting professionals and initiatives. In addition to all of that, she hosts a podcast called Rescued Heart to inspire others in life. So please join me in welcoming my previous co-facilitator, previous colleague, and dear friend, and the best recruiting hunter I know, Angela Hunter. Hi, Angela. Hi, May. How are you? <laughs> I am great. I'm great. And I'm just going to say happy birthday weekend. So hopefully you're going Thank to enjoy you. your birthday. You have such an enormous amount of experience in recruiting and in talent acquisition and I feel like this is such an important conversation for people that are out there doing a career search and even for leaders and recruiters to really, really understand our perspective as recruiters, especially with that much experience that you have to bring to the table. So I'm just curious, what really brought you to talent acquisition and what, what have you enjoyed about talent acquisition? Wow, I've loved it for a lot of years, and I would say that it chose me. I, I never say that it's something that I chose, and, and the reason I say that is because I'm a natural interviewer. I used to actually want to be a newscaster, so I've always been inquisitive. I've always wanted to know why, and at the end of the day, I love giving people opportunities. I'm a teacher at, at in heart. Uh, I love to show people this is the best way to do something. Or if I see them doing it one way, I'm like, well, you need to try this way. And so I think all the years that I've been recruiting and looking at hundreds and thousands of resumes, I look at what people choose and, and I think, you know, you should do it this way or you should do it that way. So sometimes when I look at resumes, I automatically want to lead and guide and, and help someone with their career. So recruiting has served me well. It served all the talents I feel like I've had. Teaching, mm -hmm. uh, coaching, people taking advice from me and me offering my advice even when they don't want it. So, um, <laughs> And then giving people opportunities and helping them. So even the people who don't get the job, the people that mm -hmm. I don't extend an offer to, I want to help those people for the next time so that when they're applying to something to make sure that they're making that intentional choice and being purposeful and how they apply for jobs as well. Mm, so. I love that. I love that. 
you've given a really good explanation of, I think, the difference between a basic recruiter and a talent acquisition consultant. So because you're really, really consulting with everybody that you work with. So if we were to say people out there right now are, are, are looking for jobs, there's so many people that have been impacted. And I know you and I have spoken about how busy you are in mm-hmm. even at this time. So maybe you could give us a little bit of a background on what are some of the tips that you give candidates and applicants right now? If you said, these are my top three tips for you today. Okay, that's good. I like that you said consultative because you're not just consultative with leaders or hiring leaders, but you're consultative with candidates and applicants as well. So yeah, so the top three things that I would say is number one, and it's almost a frustration for me when I see resumes sometimes. The number one thing I want to offer to candidates is tell the recruiter who you are. We need to know who you are, what you've done, and how long you've done it. I should be able to see the answers to those three questions on your resume. And when I say who you are, what you've done, and how long you've done it, here's an example. Talent acquisition professional, that tells you who I am. Mm-hmm. With 15 years of experience, that tells you how long I've done it, right? Mm-hmm, and then it I'll go into saying facilitating, um, training and development, working a blended desk, or going into or elaborating on some of the highlights of the jobs that you've done and the tasks that you've done or the projects that you've done. It gives the recruiter a full picture of who you are and what you're capable of doing. And so I always say this, May, number one, you should be answering that question on your resume, who you are, what you've done, and how long you've done it. Secondly, you should be tweaking your resume based on what you're applying for. Your resume should not stay the same. Mm. With every job that you apply to, you should be tweaking it based on that job description or really what's required of that job. So if you're reading that job description and it brings out a skill or a requirement that you've done in your past, it's something that you want to make sure that's on your resume. That recruiter has no idea what you've done unless you tell them, unless it's on your resume. They have no idea. They can't read into a job and think, oh, I wonder if they've done that or maybe they've, you know, done this. You have to tell them because if you don't, the next resume that I look at is going to tell me. It doesn't stay the same. You don't create your resume and throw it out into the world. You want to make sure that you're tweaking it based on what you're applying to Mm. so that the recruiter knows what you're capable of doing and how it relates to the job that you're applying for. If you're applying for an accounting professional, you don't want to put that you've been a nanny on your resume. Because so it's not applicable. Yeah. Right. It's you can not take applicable. that off. Yeah. You take, can take it that off. off. Yeah. Take it off. And you always want to give anywhere from 10 to 15 years of history. The third thing I would offer is TMI. Sometimes I look at resumes and I see someone's life story. You have to keep in mind that your resume is a snapshot of who you are, it is an appetizer. It's not the full meal. The meal takes place in the interview process. 
So think of it like that. Your resume is a snapshot of who you are. It's giving me bits and pieces and elements of the skills that you bring to the table that encompass the entire job that I'm looking to fulfill. I love and then that. when I want to, yeah, when I want to dig deeper and I want to find out more and I want a stomach full, I'm going to invite you to the interview so that we can eat and we can have a meal <laughs> and we can dig deeper and you can give me all the stuff that I want to know about you. Right. I love you don't that. put that on your mm-hmm. document. Yeah. It's an appetizer. So those are the three things. It is. It is. It's an appetizer. It should leave me wanting more when I look at your resume. I want to know more about this person. So let me bring them in. That's such a great analogy that your resume is an appetizer. So you don't need to put your entire life history on there. And we have to honor, yes, you've worked really hard for those things at the very beginning of your career, but they might not be applicable today. There's one I want to add for candidates is the power of your network and just sharing our story of how we met. I believe you were at uh, Time Warner Cable and I came to talk to you because you were potentially recruiting me. And from there, we've built a relationship. We've Mm -hmm. co-facilitated opportunities with organizations. You've come in and we've worked together. And now look at us, we're working on our podcasts together and (laughs) you are a friend, right? So the power of the network is to me unimaginable if you don't touch it. You have to actually reach out to your network. Exactly. And you have to leverage your commonalities. So we had common skills, a common background. I mean, our background, it it was, was kind of funny. You even said to me, you're doing what I want to do right now. And I thought, oh, isn't that interesting? So our resume sort of matched. And so Mm. we took those commonalities and we worked together on those things. And that's how you network. That's how you leverage your similarities and you build on them. And then you're able to work together and branch out and help each other. I mean, you helped me get a job. That's huge. And talk about getting a job based on who you know, Mm -hmm. I always say it's not who you know that gets you the job. It's who knows you. Ooh, I like that. It's who knows you. You have to be known. And the only way to be known is to put yourself in circles that you would normally not be in. And so here's a great example of that, May. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will say, well, I don't understand. Well, I'm not getting promoted. I go to work. I put my head down. I get my work done. I go home. No, that's why you're not being promoted right there because you're not known. Mm -hmm. So you not just go to work and put your head down and do your job, but you get involved. So you do extracurricular projects and activities and events and groups, and you get involved in those things at work. Now you're sitting alongside of a VP that you would have never known had you gone Mm -hmm. to work with your head down doing your job. You're sitting next to a VP in a department that you want to be in, 
and you're working with them on an extracurricular project. Now that VP knows you. They know the work that you're capable of doing. They see your work ethic. They see the creativity and the innovation that you bring to that project. And when they hear about a role, who are they going to think of? They think that of person you. that they've been working. Yes, that person that they've been working in that group with. But if you had just gone to work doing your job, you would have never known that person. Absolutely. So it's not necessarily about who you know, but it's about who knows you. I think about some of my own personal transitions and I could name several roles that I found. Actually, let me reverse that. People found me because we knew each other. They knew me and they called me up and they said, hey, May, I have a position and I think you would be perfect for it. Please send me your resume. I have landed jobs simply because of my network and that because it. you were known exactly Exa- because I was known. Yes. Those are such great tips. I hope you all out there are taking notes and starting to adjust as you think about your transitions. The other thing that I was thinking about is it takes to do tango. It doesn't just take the candidate to show up, send their resume, put the application in. It also includes the recruiters doing something right. It includes the hiring managers doing something correctly. So if we just put those two buckets together and said, what's your advice? And let's start with the recruiters. What are our fellow recruiters out there doing today? What would your advice be for them to really help propel this process in the right direction? So I've noticed uh, being out of work myself and looking for jobs and, and actually knowing how to recruit. And I think I even said this to you at one point. I said, recruiters don't know how to recruit these days. They don't know how to find talent. They are relying on posting a job and hoping that the person that they need applies. And recruiters have to be actionable. They have to literally go out and recruit. And it doesn't mean get up, get up from your desk and go get in your car. But sometimes, you know, (laughs) it's not bad. You might be at Chick-fil-A and think, oh, this person is amazing. Let's bring them in for customer service. Like you should always... (laughs) Yes, I've done it. You should always be thinking about who you can recruit when you are at a dinner party or when you're at a party or an event or at the museum or whoever, but it's being actionable as a recruiter and not just posting something and hoping that the best person applies. But maybe you've seen some people on LinkedIn that you admire and you admire some skill sets. Reach out to them. That's a passive candidate. I would say 80%, that's a high number, but I'm going to just be willing to say that 80% of the people who are working really want another job. It is true. Actually, it said, yeah, it says right about that number. It's 85% of employees are not engaged. I believe it. They are not engaged in their jobs. And so they're passively waiting for someone to tap onto them. So being proactive as a recruiter is really critical to be successful. It is. And so they're sitting at their desk. They're not actively looking, 
but in their heart, they're like, oh, if I could find this, <laughs> they don't have time. They don't have time. So just think if you're tapping on that person, you're going to get your candidates, but you can't be lazy and be a good recruiter. You I have to it. reach out. Yeah, you have to. And any other final tips for recruiters out there that you would say would be really good for them to be even better at what they do today? Just owning the process, own the hiring process, and make sure that you're not task-driven, that you're not just checking the boxes of all the things that you need to do, filling the job, posting the job, getting the candidates, sending them over to the leader, but just being more creative in within that process, offering your expertise to the leader when you're engaging with them in an intake session and thinking, how have you hired for this in the past? What can we do differently to make sure that you not only get the right candidate, but someone that can grow within this role and that you could see being in your job? And so, so being consultative. Maybe you, yeah, yeah and recruiting differently. Mm -hmm. So just own the hiring process differently and um, know that it's not about quantity necessarily, but about quality and getting the right people in. Really listening to the leader and what they feel like they are looking for in a candidate and you know, when I was in staffing, we used to say you're only as good as the last person you hired. So <laughs> it's, yep. it's weird to say that in from a corporate standpoint, because I get paid even if you say no, you know, in staffing, I got paid when you said yes. But as a recruiter, I need to care about the candidate experience, because Absolutely. it's your it's your brand and they're either going to come back to you as an organization and you want people to, you want to have high traffic on your organization's website, uh, but they don't want to be treated like they're not valued because they are, they're valuable talent. Absolutely. So, so recruiters out there really think about what you're doing and as Angela shared, be proactive, engage your leaders. So if, if we switch to leaders and hiring managers out there, what would you recommend for them as they are looking for talent out there and they're bringing in talent into their organizations? What would you recommend for them? Well, I'm hoping that they have a strong recruiter that they can lean on the, that expertise of that recruiter, but um, to also know what you want. Looking at your team as a whole and saying, here's what I need. Oh, I've got a lot of technical people on my team. I really need somebody who brings some soft skills to the table maybe. And then looking at your team objectively and saying, am I underutilized for diverse candidates? Like, Does mm -hmm. my team look the same? Do they bring all the same skills to the table? Because diversity and inclusion means a lot of things. Diverse doesn't just mean a diverse workforce where everyone looks differently, but it's also what everyone brings to the table. Is that perspective different? So the outlook of the people that you're bringing into the team. Some people are afraid to go outside of their industry. So if you're in telecommunications, I need someone with telecommunications experience. Mm, really? So Do you? Because <laughs> if you'll just bring in someone you know, who maybe has a technical background or maybe who comes from a creative space, they can bring a 
diverse perspective to your group that may be the turnaround that you're looking for. So I think leaders should be more open to what real diversity is. And it's not just in how a group looks, but it's diverse backgrounds, diverse skill sets. It, it mm -hmm. can mean a lot of things. And so yes. you should be open to that. Diverse thought like you were sharing. Absolutely. That's, That's great. So they need to really think about what do they want and think about diversity, right? So right. what other thoughts do you have for leaders out there? Probably just to be transparent with your recruiter. Let them know that this is the situation on my team. I was working with a leader who <laughs> wanted to extend an offer to a candidate um, who really didn't need an offer extended um, at the time. But when she told me about it later and said, you know, what her position was, I thought, God, you know, had I known that, I would have advised us to do something very different. Mm. So because you know, we as recruiters have been hiring people for so many years. Leaders need to understand that we know when a candidate is serious, when a candidate is entertaining other things, they should rely on our expertise. And, and it's almost like a lawyer who is defending someone in court. If you don't tell me the truth, I can't help you out there, right? So, true. so I know you probably have secrets, but I need to know them because it's the only way I can truly defend you. And, and so it's the same with a leader. If you're just transparent with me and tell me what you need and what's going on and how I can really be helpful to you or really partner with you and support you, if you'll give me all of that information, I can be a better recruiter. I can be a better partner mm. for you and a better support person. So, and also let me say this, May, because mm -hmm. I am literally leading a project right now where a leader is fixated on the amount of years of experience someone needs to have. Oh my, that happens and, so much. <laughs> oh my God. It's required that they have five years or 10 years. And, and I understand those years of experience are valuable. I get it. But please know that not every scope of work is the same. So if I have eight years of experience and it's required to have 10. I could have such a large scope of work that at year five, I was ready mm, that's for thing. that next step. And so don't think that someone has to have that eight years or 10 years or five years. Uh, be open to just listening and hearing and seeing what else they bring to the table that might take up for those years that they didn't have. So that, that's just another way of being transparent as a leader and being open and being, you know, seeing someone's resume and thinking, well, they have this, this, and that. They may not have 10 years of experience, but let me talk to them and see what comes out of that conversation. So yeah, those, those are great tips. And it's, it's about not having a laundry list of requirements for a recruiter to go find and I think the recruiting world calls it, I'm out there looking for a purple squirrel, where yeah. you're looking for something that doesn't exist. And I have a story on that because I recall a manager saying, I want someone with five years experience. They have to know this very specific, really old technology. 
And oh, by the way, <laughs> I would love for them to be right out of college. And I want them to stay with me for five years. Literally, that does not exist today. A younger right. individual knowing old technology that's going to come in and stay for five years. That's a purple squirrel. It does not exist. And we had to negotiate and really help the manager understand how do we reduce that laundry list? I fully understand they want all these things. They want someone to stay with them for the longest time, but you have to be realistic. So I would add that is be realistic, be realistic with what's out there. And you talked a little bit about diversity. It ties into, even when they're thinking about that laundry list, and as we transition into a conversation around even just overall diversity, women have shown that they will not apply for a job if they feel they've not met 100% of those requirements. So <laughs> when you're having that laundry list, you might be missing out on people. So if you were to think about just even let's, let's pivot into diversity and inclusion. There's so much conversation out there about diversity and inclusion and equity and belonging. And a lot of organizations are even opening up opportunities to have a diversity manager, to have a diversity director. What are some of those things that recruiters can do today to help drive that strategy, to help drive that conversation? So I think it's important to initiate that conversation with your leader in your intake session when you are gathering information about how to screen and how to appropriately source for a particular candidate. That is your conversation to have. Now recently I had an intake session with a leader that I'd never worked with before and one of the first things she said to me in the intake session is she said, Angela, I also want you to be mindful about hiring a candidate that looks like the communities that we serve. And wow. I thought, oh my gosh, how awesome is that? It's usually me, you know, who's bringing that up. I, I always tell the leader, well, let's look at your team. Let's really look at your team, not just with skill sets, but do you feel like you're underutilized for a diverse candidate in your area? Do they all look alike? Let me offer a diverse slate of candidates to you. Usually that's my line. But she said that to me and I thought, how thoughtful is that as a leader? How open was that? And it's so needed. I wish more leaders did that. She said, I want you to concentrate on finding a candidate that looks like the communities that we serve. Because she was in an environment where she would be in a facility and a lot of people would come in who needed to speak Spanish. And there was no one there to do that. Just imagine how comfortable they would feel wow. in their own community going into a facility and having someone understand them. That's so right? important. Yeah, that's, that's great. Huge. And like I, you said, having more managers that think about that perspective can really help transform an organization and a culture of a company and their team dynamics. So that is awesome all this experience that you bring to the table 
any last words of wisdom today for people out there? Well, from the recruiting perspective, I think we should stay on trend with what's happening in the marketplace. So as a recruiter, you should be Oh my God, LinkedIn learning. Let me just promote that. And even though I don't work for LinkedIn, but let me just say there's so many great tools and resources out there for recruiters. It just doesn't make sense to not stay abreast of what is happening in the marketplace. Take a five minute, seven minute, 15 minute, 30 minute class on LinkedIn learning about anything. I mean, there are so many different topics that, that one could take. I'm also an executive coach, like May mentioned, and I'd love to help people with their careers. They can come to me, call me. <laughs> I'll talk Absolutely. to you about your career, helping you make decisions about your next steps, and even thinking about where you want your recruiting career to go. So my advice to recruiters is just stay abreast of what's happening in the marketplace, stay ahead of the trend, learn, grow in your role, become more consultative so mm -hmm. that not only you get promoted, but that you heighten the candidate experience and that you own the hiring process and that you're a better effective partner to your hiring leaders. And advice for candidates is mm -hmm. to Get someone to look at your resume. I yes, mean, I can please. think of, <laughs> if I think of at least five million times where I realized this is why you didn't get the job when I see someone's resume and it literally does not reflect who they are effectively. Mm -hmm. It's not telling the right story. Your resume has to tell the right story that matches the job you're trying to obtain. And it falls short on so many levels. And I see that and it just, it just makes me shake my head and think, God, this girl could get through if she would tell me what I need to, what I need to know. And if a recruiter is looking at your resume and they are left with questions, mm -hmm. they don't have time to pick up the phone and call you and figure it out. They're going to go on to the next person and that person is going to, their resume is going to answer all the questions. And then that person is going to get shortlisted, not you. Mm, so by great. you telling or leaving an untold story based on your resume is a terrible fault that has to be corrected. So get That's, someone to look at your resume. Absolutely. Get someone to look at your resume. Oh my goodness, Angela. This has been great. Um, I have one final question for you because yeah. I just want to do this as a myth buster during the pandemic that I know you're so busy. So can you just share with candidates that recruiters are still recruiting today in the pandemic? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Being in healthcare, I haven't stopped. <laughs> and don't think that, you know, you know, some companies have slowed. Don't let it be your problem. Still get out there, still mm. apply. Uh, smart recruiters are pipelining candidates. They may not be able to hire you now, but they're going to hold on to you. So still make those network connections on LinkedIn, get to know that person, leverage those relationships. So when they do begin to hire again, guess what? You've built a relationship with someone. Oh, now they know you, right? They know they, you. <laughs> you're known. <laughs> yeah, so get known out there. Exactly. So 
I just want to share that, of course, if you want to get a hold of Angela, uh, Angela, can you just share how people can get a hold of you? Yes. So you can go to my website, AngelaHunter.com, and actually schedule a coaching session if you feel like you want an executive coaching session. If you're not an executive and you're just an associate, you know, at the associate level, maybe you're mid-career, at the beginning of your career, I do those sessions as well. So you don't have to be a leader for me to sit down and talk with you and help you plan out strategically your career. So you can schedule that session if you need 30 minutes, if you need an hour. And also I do resumes. So I'm happy to look at your resume, give you a 15-minute free consultation about the direction I think it needs to go in and make it happen for you so that you can get your next job. But yeah, reach out to me at AngelaHunter.com. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. And what a pleasure to speak with you, Angela. And again, happy birthday weekend. So, <laughs> and thanks for joining us at hashtag may I hire you. Thanks.